final episode before Christmas. I know. And look at more, but. look at the cup I found. Is this appropriate? <laughs> oh yeah, the it's um, from the uh, Christmas story. Perfect. Gradually has a leg seen, on it. I don't even know if it's out yet. The the apparently the the story of Christmas Christmas story. It's the sequel. It's like, it, it, I haven't seen it's it, but on, it has to be terrible. It's on Peacock or something, isn't it? Okay, it's, it's on, on like Peacock. A, it's terrible. Something I don't have. It has to be bad. I don't know. Like, how I mean, do you follow up that movie? I Just because it's it. so old. I don't know. They did it with Top Gun, but I think you're right. It probably is bad. But yeah, Top Gun was. Oh, I don't. And know if I, I only think Top Gun is good once. I don't have any desire to rewatch no, it. Me either. But you could watch Christmas Story. I watch it all the time. Like, there's like, here's a list of Christmas movies that you just need to have on, whether I watch it or not. It's on in the background. That's definitely one of them. That's a good one. What is your favorite Christmas movie? Oh, or or um, or a holiday special, either one. Well, I like all the National Lampoon, so like Christmas Vacation, Clark Griswold. I, I don't know. That's my humor. But it's also growing up. I think that has a big influence. It's like, do you shop at Home Depot or Lowe's? Well, what did you grow up going to? Go to Home Depot. So that was always on growing up. What about you, Julie? Yeah, I like Elf. Elf is one of my favorites. Elf is good. And Classics. then White Christmas is like my nostalgic mm. one that I like. Mm. I have yeah. to watch it every year. I think the first hour of Elf is probably the right answer. The second hour. True. It just, once once the real Santa comes to town, and it's like no one cares. It's not funny anymore. This isn't the movie I signed up for. True. But it's less I still, Will Ferrell. Yeah. P- Peanuts uh, is still my favorite. The yeah, old softy in me. Loves the music this. is good in that one. Mm-hmm. The music is good. And that's like, oh. Um, my daughter watched the new, it's uh, Ryan Reynolds and, yes. We watched part of that Spirited. and we didn't finish it. Oh, why so? I, it wasn't. On purpose? I, I don't know. It was okay. Yeah. Spirited. It's not, I think it's PG-13-ish. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily appropriate for all ages. It's like uh, dumb humor, like not even like deadpan or what slapstick, like I don't know the word, but like. I would say it's, yeah, it's, it's a typical Ryan Reynolds type of humor. Okay. Maybe that's why I'm like, but, um, it is a musical so that if you're not prepared for that, but it's, it's well shot. It's well good, shot. It's, it's pleasant to watch. Like the, the images are, are well there you go. I might have to have it on, but yeah, I'm looking at the, I just, I just went to Google images. I'm like, mm, this is a one and done movie. I mean, that's the point I, of it. I feel like everyone just decided to try again with, with new holiday specials. Uh, the um, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, all of my cousins or nieces and nephews uh-huh. and my kids hmm. watched that uh, over Thanksgiving when it came out. It's, again, there's some choice words in there for little people. <laughs> the um, little people. That's what we good. call our little people. Because they go <laughs> back and they, they kidnap Kevin Bacon. That's the plot line. To mm. give him as oh. a gift to someone else. That's funny. And Mike, no, none of these little kids have any idea who Kevin Bacon is. <laughs> No. But they, they the love, they're, they're like meme saying is, come back here, Bacon. And they just think that's <laughs> hilarious because someone's name, last name is Bacon. Bacon. All right. That's awesome. Let's get started. Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. Welcome to episode 254. I'm Kevin Oakley and with me today is the ad doctor, Andrew Peake and Julie Jarnigan. Hello. We are here. So excited. Very special 
Mark yeah, Holiday is, special. It's like <laughs> podcast Eve. Mark Ruth marketing yeah. Christmas Eve. I think next week, am I on that? I don't know if I'm on that one or not, but someone should do some prediction stuff for 2023. I'll try to put together an article. If I'm not there, you guys can mock me. Good idea. But um, <laughs> I think we should do that. A bunch of them. And if you have any, send them in. That's, yeah, you have, and they have to be courageous. Pred- well, there's, well, there's the question of the week. Any prediction, large or small, around the industry, not around the industry. I think that'd be that'd be a blast. And we'll like have what prizes. will happen to Twitter. We'll have prizes you, if you're right, but you can't be like I think the person who works for me is going to get fired and then fire them. That's not allowed. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. If you're listening. Don't do that. But like yeah, it can't be that. something that you yourself can cause to happen. We always have to get that's, qualifiers. There's people looking for. They're like, yeah. I'm going to build a house. Oh, hmm, <laughs> cool. Yep. <laughs> You knew that. Yep. All right. Let's start with story time. It's funny. I was on a call with six other people earlier today and they were like, you know, every time we start, Kevin, can you just start with a new story? Like you're going to like, you need to start a story just to warm up the conversation every time, please. So you must listen to the podcast. We like stories. Yeah. All right, Julie, what do you got? Well, I've been having more of those conversations of people coming to me like apologetically wanting to ask what they think is a dumb question, like something, sometimes it's something they don't want Kevin to know that they have to ask me <laughs> That's that they don't, don't understand or don't know how to access. <laughs> and first of all, if you've done this, I'm not calling you out because I'm saying good job. You need to do yes. that. Like if you do not understand something, you need to ask and you just need to know I think sometimes, especially as marketers, I feel like a lot of the sales side, they'll ask questions. I'm on that training. Sometimes I listen with Mike and Jen and they're asking all kinds of crazy stuff, but I think we feel like we have to sound smart all the time and it's going to bite you in the butt. (laughs) So what I'm saying is for 2023, if you need this, make it your resolution to be brave, ask the questions, be curious. You know, if you don't understand what a department does at your builder, go take them to lunch and quiz them. Just Mm. don't be afraid to ask the questions. Nobody thinks you're dumb. Ask them sooner rather than later. Yeah. I kind of think of it like you're playing Mario and you have the little map. Like you have to cross that one off. 1-1, 1-2, 1-3 to get to 2-1. If you could visualize the, the game, like you have to ask the question eventually. And we've all, I think, asked that question, whatever the question may be. Just to me, I'm like, just get it over with. Like now you know it cool onto the next thing. And eventually the questions get harder and harder and harder. And maybe you're the only one that can answer them or you need multiple people to figure it out. And it takes a year for you to understand that concept or that question, but you got to get it over with. Yeah. I just wrote a 2000 word article for builder magazine the other day. Sorry. (laughs) Don't usually go that long, but in it, one of the things I was explaining is it is like learning a language when you get involved in home building and in marketing. And so it, you know, if I was going to try to learn Spanish, you you always start when you learn a language with vocabulary. You graduate to True. verbs and tenses and all those other things, but you have to start just by knowing how to say cat, dog, you know, the very basics. And sometimes because of the busyness of everything, we're thrust into doing something and we're figuring out as we're going. And that's why I, I agree with you. There's It's not the dumb question because it was just something that wasn't necessary for you to know completely until now. And so give yourself the grace to just be like, okay, I, I've gotten this far. You know, we, we've sold a few houses and I haven't known the answer to this question. <laughs> but now I have the, one, you have the need and, and the opportunity. And it's always the other nice thing about things slowing down a little bit is you have the opportunity to go back and become better. And so I actually heard uh, one of my favorite people, Rob Hahn, use this 
question, so I'll toss it out to you as well. I don't know. I know, Andrew, you're a dessert, desserty. Is that a word? Deserty. A foodie well, I like all who's, food. who's obsessed but, mostly with sugar. But desserts are, <laughs> maybe there's less, I don't know what it is, but they're, they're, it seems like a more simple category versus food, say dinner, whatever. It has so many different styles, yeah. genres, like was countries, all that stuff. Yep. Desserts. So you need, you need avant-garde uh, chefs who are trying new things, creating new dishes that never existed, fusing things together. There's a, there's a purpose and a place for that. They're highly creative individuals. And then you also have chefs who just do the classics perfectly yep, or better than perfect. Like you didn't even know it could be done that well. Like that's and which a one, blueberry muffin. What which in the one, world? which one's better is the question. Oh, neither. You, I, I guess, well, to Julie, me, I, I, yeah, Julie's just ahead. smirking without, she's like, I'm not answering this. She's like, I, I feel like so the Louisiana accent's going to come out. Yeah. I mean, if <laughs> like, I had to pick one, I would say the classics being done better and better and better. If mm-hmm. I was forced to pick. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'd pick whatever it will depend. I guess it's like, why, which one, why would you pick that one for what? If I yeah. was in business of, I had a restaurant, I'd be yeah. like, well, which one everyone makes more money and <laughs> does it more stable. And I don't need 50 people employed to make it work. I think for the awful. dessert category, I would, I'd be more likely to pick someone trying something new. Whereas for my actual meal, I'd rather have, you know, the best steak of my life with the best potato of my life with the best, you know. Yeah. But I, I also, even within the avant-garde, like I'm trying new things, I'm being ultra creative. The question is, are you just chaotically doing something different? Or are you drawing upon your roots of being a chef that can do the classics perfectly and now iterating on that with intentionality? And I think that is right. When I heard Rob talking about that, I was just like, that is such a, you could go so deep into that of the connection to what we do, where you've got people who come in from outside the industry or with no training. We all have them in our companies. Hey, have you thought about building a digital twin of every home we sell and using the metaverse to triple our sales? Why? Just because it's a creative, random, chaotic idea yeah, do that, that has some source of potential connection to reality and I'm tossing that your way, but that because they haven't done the work of being classically trained, not that everyone has to be, I don't know. I don't, I don't, it was just a question, but I think it's a really interesting. Well, I think if you're, um, you're making pancakes, which we could like sweet, savory pancakes, if your base pancake is terrible, it's not going to work as far yeah. as the cinnamon toast crunch pancake or whatever <laughs> it's going to be. You've got to have the, the foundations correct. Now yeah. I want some pancakes. Yeah. Wait a Way to kiss up to the, the pancake, <laughs> global pancake, pancake, pancake expert here on, on the, on the right. staff. But yes, I mean, right. I just think that that's, that's the tension that always exists. So people saying, don't do things the old way, just figure out new, be creative, burn it all to the ground and start over versus having the humility to say, I have some ideas that I think might be better, but I better go back and ask Julie the dumb questions that I don't want Kevin to know that I'm asking first to make sure I understand you know, the full lay of the land. So, so I'm doing things with intentionality, not just because it yeah. feels good or feels different. Yeah. Awesome. Definitely. Andrew, what do you got? Yeah, I have a few stories. I think I'll leave the details out, protect some privacy. Ooh, that yeah. sounds so something. But two times this week, there's been two, I've had to analyze, like, why is that happening? I'm like, that's pretty crazy right there. I sent Kevin and someone to you earlier in the week. Uh, it mm-hmm. had to do with the efficiency of, of Google spend. I'm like, ooh, okay, what's happening there? Another one, actually, yeah, this is funny. Yeah, Julie and I were looking at, we're like, what is going on? Like, we could not figure it out. 
both times the solution to make it better or to fix it, to improve, lean towards like the simple solution, like the, it actually lean toward the basic. This was not planned us mm. this conversation, but like the first one, like, okay, cool. Like it's very obvious what is causing that issue. Yeah. The second one, after the fact, it's like, well, duh, like that's and a little bit of context for everyone. There's I'm people take- who we work with in a, in a training capacity purely. There's people we interact with as a uh, turnkey. We will do things for you and train you capacity. And then there's some people who want us to just function in an audit capacity of the internal team purely. Maybe some training happens there, but it's, it's kind of like the three general levels of interaction that we have. And so the scenario you're describing is an audit of, hey, you know, Correct. We don't, we're not Personal in there every day or every week with those folks. You're going in once a quarter. And wow, how much can change in a couple months? Very quickly. The, I'm like, ooh, the okay. prior quarterly audit. And you're like, like, huh, why are we doing that? And again, they're trying to be creative in, in that example of how do we get the most amount of traffic uh, of the highest quality possible? And it seems like we should just max out bids to the nth yeah. degree to make to sure moon. we get as much as yeah. we can. Pretty and, much, yes. And yet what they really should be doing, because some campaigns were being limited by budget, was lower bids instead. Lower bids, correct. It's like at, at, we teach this at the academy. You have X amount of dollars to go grocery shopping. Say you have $100 to go grocery shopping. You could get lobster and filet and you have two items in your cart. Or you could spend a dollar on everything and then you have 100 items. But maybe the things that are dollar is ramen noodles. And I don't know what, what else is probably not healthy, quote, healthy for you. So then healthy being quality leads or quality traffic. So there's a balance there. You don't, you can't only buy lobster and filet. Yeah. You don't only want ramen at 25 cents. You need something in the middle or a blend. A blend and items in the cart. cart in this analogy are visits to the website. Visit. Yep. And so mm-hmm. if you're a fan of the old school supermarket sweep, the mm-hmm. goal of that show yeah. was to spend the most amount of money possible, which is kind of what was happening here in this scenario. And so those Correct. players would grab their carts and go straight to the frozen turkeys mm-hmm. or like these giant meat aisles and just grab all the meat. And so you've got these big bulky objects and they would fill up a whole cart with just six turkeys or yep. hams or whatever it was and run back and throw the cart and go get some more stuff. But it was all about, and in this case, because we're trying to get vis- high quality visits to the website, paradoxically spending just the right amount and getting more smaller items is getting you more. Exactly. It, it, what it does, um, to, to be fair, like when you have in certain circumstances and a limited budget, that does feel like the right thing to do. Like, well, we need everything. We're going to bump the bids. The budget will right. put at whatever yeah. dollars. But then you reach this point where like you're just spending too much per click and Google doesn't care because they're taking your money. So there is a perfect cost per click or perfect bid for each budget that you have in place. But if that other variable there of like the, well, the budget is what's the little infinity sign. If it's in the math doesn't work. Yeah. You can't divide that by anything. So it's a little, it's a little quirky. Also, if you ever feel like we are being overly negative about Google's recommendations, I, I, I keep touch with several other um, SEM companies and owners in other industries. And man, there are, there are so many articles in just the last two months that essentially say, hey, yeah. those PMAX campaigns, they're not, they're not even not a good idea. They're actually harmful long-term potentially to your brand or to your sales results. I believe don't it. trust their recommendations. Um, it's, it's not just from the, you know, 
the millions and millions of dollars that we help builders manage every year that in the data we're seeing, it's it's not just an our industry problem. It's in it's, the hundreds or say billions of dollars in, in and spend. what's weird is what's becoming being driven by the the market adjusting and and some marketers feeling the need to become more accountable, which you always should should have been accountable. I'm also noticing this drive towards direct attribution being the decision maker, which we've warned Ooh. against forever. Yes. Not and that, that's, 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 I got to put out a lot more content to help people understand that. Um, I know it's cause I, in my head, I have like some of this, this thing uh, to me, it, it's unpacked in my brain to get that out through my mouth to your brain and ears that that's difficult, but attribution should not be the leading um, influence on how you collect leads. Like it shouldn't be like, well, we need, we're getting not that many uh, leads. Our cost per lead is high. So let's do this type of strategy to bring our cost per lead down. Like that, that shouldn't be the influence just to get the cost per lead. No, down. it, and it is an influence if you're not responsible for the whole funnel. And that's yes. like leads again. Mike, Mike has said this since do you convert started in, in, in 09 leads are worthless. It's responsive leads that matter and the ability to move those people through the funnel. And so time and time again, when we start working with somebody new, they're like, but this lead source is, is generating so many leads. Have you talked to the online team? Have you talked to anyone else? Are those all uh, real people? Or how much is spam? It's just uh, beware of attribution. It's like beware of the Ides of March. Attribution is helpful, but is not the decision maker for you. Definitely. Don't let it be. Uh, My story is really short. I don't even need to give any context or or build up to it. Talk Mm -hmm. to someone today uh, who sells 1,000 homes a year and is somehow currently spending $41,000 a month on Bing advertising, wow. um, which That's is a record. And we've, we work with people who are five to seven or eight times larger than them, who we can't find a good way to even spend like I could, a fraction. If you're like, here's your Lambo money. out front, Andrew, good luck. You get that if you spend that much money. I don't yeah. think I could do it. I don't like that. That one's like when I told Andrew that story, he, he, I can just, he's like chomping it. Like, I want to see it. I want to know how to fix it. I just, I, I need know. to know. And that I need to uh, know. I need to inspire, know. not inspiring the curiosity levels off the charts on that one. So yes, well, it is. Especially the, the ratio to Google is the odd part. Like just yeah. cause Google traffic, just go in your analytics and see how much traffic you get from Google organic versus being organic and paid search should mostly mimic that. And you're like, what in the world? It's like five to fifteen percent. So that's what the spend should be. And again, as well. this is a this is a company that has some really smart people on it, and they they knew that that number was wrong as soon as we talked about it. But it was kind of a seemed like it was a carryover from a former company that they were working with and recommendations oh, gotcha. or setup that was put together yeah. then. And, and you get it, nervous to change things. Not that that that's not well, wrong yeah, at all. Yeah. Right it's now, like when everyone's getting yelled nature. at, where are all the leads? It, yeah. Again, it's why turn it I off? understand why it's scary to reduce lead volume to focus on quality leads that are actually responsive, but we could, we could just pretend the emperor doesn't have clothes or we could call it out. And that's where the bravery has to come in. Mm-hmm. Be brave to the mix. <laughs> All right. On to the news marketing impact groups. You may have seen a social post about that. We already have over 40 people who have submitted, unfortunately, uh, in, in just the first 24 hours, unfortunately five or six of them, are not in marketing for home builders. So, hmm. uh, I mean, That's they count fine. as, as, as submissions, but, uh, unfortunately, 
even if you're listening to the podcast because you just think we're funny or you generally like marketing uh, discussions, these groups are just for marketers. Um, some common questions that we get, it, it's, it's a, think of it as like a builder 20 group if you're familiar with that for your owners. They get to meet with, with builders in non-competing markets and share ideas and be as transparent as possible. This is just five to six marketers per group. Um, we have like four questions we ask you just to help us put you in the right group. You can request to be matched with other people if you already know others who are in a group or you think will be in a group. And it's completely uh, private. We give you your own private space. So even there's some individuals who um, they, for one reason or another, just don't really want their company to know that they're doing uh, this. Um, there's an opportunity for you to, to no one's going to see the list. No one, the list will not be published anywhere. Um, so there'll be a link in the show notes, go check that out. And there's a quick video kind of summarizing that as well, but those will launch right after the new year. And so it looks like we already are going to have, um, close to 10, 10 or 12 groups, uh, by the time you're listening to this nice. about to kick off. And the hardest thing will be, you have to pick a group name. So when we give you your private space <laughs> to interact with each other, I'm not just going to call you, you know, marketing group. Group, impact group number one. That's we're that's terrible. Come on, let's come up with fun names. Um, so that, that's the first challenge of, of what you got to do. That's the challenge, man. All right. Um, Super cool. On to the news. First up from merkley.senate.gov. Oh, gosh. Who picked this thing? What in the worst? <laughs> Senator Merkley introduces legislation to ban hedge fund ownership of residential housing. I don't know who this yep. is, by the way. Have, well, he's a senator. I mean, uh, the senator. From the it's, great state of Oregon, I believe, right? Yeah. Well, they, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so here's what he said. Everyone should have a safe, affordable place to call home. In every corner of the country, giant financial corporations are buying. Wait, I should say it in a different voice. Giant financial corporations are yes. buying up housing and driving both rents and home prices. They're pouring fuel on the fire of the affordable housing crisis that so many of our communities are facing, leaving working families behind. The housing in our neighborhoods should be homes for people, not profit centers for Wall Street. It's time for Congress to put in place common sense guardrails that ensure all families have a fair chance to buy or rent a home in their community at a price they can afford. That's fun. Side note, I can appreciate the politics behind, behind every choice, every word being chosen to drive a point. That's yeah. just not, not saying I agree or disagree with any of this, but just like the, the thought behind it and how manipulative it is or can be. Yeah, I also now, one of my favorite things to do when I'm reading something is to make educated guesses as to which parts have been uh, fluffed up or full on written by artificial intelligence, Ooh. because you can kind of start to, I mean, it, it's still incredible what, what's going on with chat GPT and open AI, but the more that I've used the systems, I'm like, they, there's certain words that just keep in transitional phrases. Julie's the, the writing expert. I don't grammatical phrases or transitional phrases, but, I, but it's like. It's not really how most people write, but it is how most people write in like Wikipedia or like formal mm. writing styles that mm. maybe are yeah. being trained on or, or you know, I, gotcha. I doubt OpenAI has been trained on any of the Do You Convert blog posts, for instance. So I hope not. Uh, <laughs> some, some of this just doesn't sound, sound real at times too because it's so politically driven, I guess. But anyway, yes. the idea here is that the reason that no one can afford a home is because all of the homes at affordable price points are being purchased by Wall Street. And so no one has a place to live. Essentially. That's what, it's saying. Yeah, what do you think? What am I saying? Oh, this is interesting. I think we I think I've talked about this 
Uh, so Kevin, I meet every Wednesdays, every Wednesday for, for going on six years now. Isn't that cute? <laughs> <laughs> every Wednesday. And so I think I talked about this, like, well, isn't this like, we need to protect. And I'm like, I, you know, Kevin knows like my political thoughts on it. Definitely like things should just function on their own and there should be less regulations. Definitely my bias. But I'm like, well, shouldn't there be something in place for the first time homeowner? And I'm thinking long-term, if you can't get your first home, if you cannot purchase your first home, how will you get in, then purchase the move up home? You're less likely because you're, I'm thinking you're building equity, you're building equity in five, 10 years when you want the larger home. Well, if you've been renting for that time, because mm-hmm. if this is a situation, who knows how many people it affects, or if it's just micro areas like, okay, this city and that community, yes, a hedge fund purchased that. But does it truly affect supply? That I don't know. This I feel like has a bias, so I can't really trust that. But that's my my thinking is like, well, shouldn't should there be some mechanism in place? Common sense guardrails is what the article says to make sure people are able to build equity, which will then keep the um, sales flowing for builders as far as long term. I'm thinking 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years to make sure that's still in place because you need that 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 starter home to build equity. I think I could be wrong on all this. Yeah, starter homes are incredibly important. Not not even just just affordable homes. Yeah, and affordable. And the thing that really jumps out to me is, um, and I might not spend the time to fact check check this, but uh, it says, for example, in 2021, large hedge hedge fund investors bought 42.8 percent of homes for sale in the Atlanta metro area. Was that sounds a lot? A lot. 38.8 percent of homes in the Phoenix area. Even if we cut those in half, because I don't. I don't know. It just, uh, it's, it seems unbelievable that mm-hmm. that's accurate. Yeah. Um, I, my hunch is that they look at any type of second home purchase, Airbnb, individual, uh, home homes. That's that my are, assumption. I think they're lumping all those under large hedge funds when they're really uh, discounting I, anyone, but no. still the other question is, are, are those affordable homes we're talking about? Because I'm really only concerned when it comes to this topic, like I'm against regulation. I'm, I'm a libertarian um, for the most part on things, but for homes under uh, $300,000, I am in favor of something uh, either, either something that encourages uh, the building of those or protects them in some way where if you're choosing to buy a home under $300,000 as an investment, then you can only make a certain percentage return to at least make it like, sure, you can still make money, but taking advantage of people whose choices are limited uh, doesn't yeah. seem doesn't seem right either. Yeah, or make the financing more affordable for that bracket. I don't I don't know the right there's there's no right because then like like you, I'm, I'm definitely lean, very libertarian, um, maybe more more extreme. Well, that's a slippery slope. And that's where my mind goes to like, well, you start some regulation, mm-hmm. the little claws of government. I hope they're not listening. They are listening. We'll start to like get one more and more and more, which is what's you know, kind of typical. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Julie? I mean, I just think it's a brilliant PR move by Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> he said, it's what, well. what is something people are really concerned about? Who's our bad guy? The really rich people over here. Mm-hmm. How can we put this in a clear they're bad, we're good. How can we solve the problem? So I definitely think yeah. it oversimplifies the problem and the solution to the problem. 
And I think he's definitely wanting to put something on his list of things he's fighting against, and this is how he's doing it. You just won this debate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, all surprised. Uh, No no one's surprised. I don't think that Julie Julie wins the debate. The thing that that I really struggle with, and then we'll get back to marketing talk, I promise, is that more supply of single-family homes under $300,000 in most parts of the country is not coming, ever. Right. The only option is to rehab or or to buy an existing or to, I mean, 3D printing. Again, I like, I applaud Lennar and, and Icon for, for doing 3D printing, but the average sales price of the neighborhood they're doing as part of this first PR move here is $450,000. Yeah. $450,000 3D printed concrete home is not going to solve the affordable housing crisis. And it's not lower cost, right? Like I, I've seen that when they were building our house, our bottom floors block. I don't know. Those Masons, right? That's right. Trade's name. Mm-hmm. They're, this thing went up in like no time. I can't imagine that the labor behind that and the materials. That's this is what our house. Yeah, there's a really interesting to article too. Three right. D printing houses has been around a lot longer than you think. Uh, I saw someone on LinkedIn share a picture from like it looked like the '60s. Oh, wow. Of uh, it was not nearly what it is now. But there's lots of arguments about do we are we in a housing shortage or not. Uh, ever since the great financial crisis, when builders stopped building at the rate they were, we've never recovered fully there. But I don't think there is a housing shortage overall. I just think there is a severe housing shortage of homes under 300. Makes sense. And so something's got to give because no one that I know is saying to themselves, I feel confident, even if they can barely hit that price point now, hey, are you going to be able to hit that five years from now? Heck no. Because costs are still going up for a lot of people. Availability materials, much better in, in many yeah. instances, but costs are not overall uh, reducing. Nope. All right. There Good we go. discussion. Next up from adage.com. Amazon is launching a TikTok-style shopping feature. The new feature called Inspire <laughs> will roll out to select U.S. customers in early December. And uh, for those of you, I'll... I'll for those of you watching the video here, I'll share my screen here real quick so you can see a picture uh, kind of sample. So uh, you can choose the things that you're interested and in, start exploring. And there's content uh, that is running in the background with little squares over top of the items that are in that content to make it easy to click on a little pop-up and then you can choose to check out, uh, immediately add to cart the item that you're interested in. In this case, it's a backpack woman. Probably I can, you know, you can picture the TikTok video of inspirational music, panning lady standing in front of some water and mountains with a backpack on. And it's showing you the pants she's wearing, the backpack that's on her back and you can purchase it all. So there's two things we need to discuss. One is Amazon likely to be successful with this. Uh, two, um, there is some potential crossover here with companies like mine, M I N E who does like model home furniture, that you can add to cart and send to your home. Uh, could that be for builders? And then I guess the third one, since we mentioned TikTok, is we should also probably just talk about is it going to be around much longer? Because multiple states now are yeah. introducing legislation either outright banning state employees from using TikTok and and more and more momentum as tensions with China aren't getting any better and still some security concerns around the app. Very true. It's not, I mean, for, again, I don't even want to mention his name, but there's a certain gentleman who tried to ban it before. It's not just one-sided anymore. It, it is both sides no. kind of saying this thing is, is it's, a problem. 
So let's start. Let's let's do that one last because that one's the most political, and I hate politics. So uh, first one, Amazon launching a TikTok style shopping feature. Successful? Do we think? I mean, no. I think it would be difficult for me um, to want to spend my free time that I'm scrolling on Amazon. Now it said that there are in other countries, this is a thing. So I don't know what has made it take off there, but the reason I would open Amazon as opposed to a different social media or something else, it's hard for me to jump to that point. And I read another article. I should have stuck it in here too, which the problem they're having is that Amazon made it really easy to buy things. Like they did amazing, too good. You can go on there and buy things in three minutes. But what it did is it got rid of the shopping process. Like Mm -hmm. there's no more shopping. So they're trying to add the shopping back in. I personally hate shopping. So maybe I'm the wrong person to ask this. I think skipping the shopping is a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point. You you know, a lot of people do their shopping other places and then go to Amazon because they know they can get it faster. They don't want to wait. You know, if there's a, if there's a mm-hmm. brand that has the ability to buy off of their site or buy it from Amazon, and oftentimes they're even connected on the back end, it's the same thing. Yeah. I just have more confidence that the turnaround on the item will be closer to what Amazon is saying than if but anything is on the actual brand's website yeah. itself. Amazon has done well to make us through repetition and just time. Like if it says for us, we have a lot of, because we have all these Amazon warehouses all over, like 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. Like if I now, if I go on Amazon, well, not now, right before Christmas, but after Christmas, like pr- that's pretty much going to happen. Like maybe once it's ever not showed up when it says the delivery window. So that's why, yeah. Why would you go shop anywhere else? But um, I don't, yeah. I just don't like it. Like I think people <laughs> like to, I go to Instagram for this. I go to TikTok for that. I go to Facebook for this. Mm-hmm. I go to Amazon for that. And they're trying to like intermingle it. Like, oh, I don't, did they talk about making it more social? I, I don't, I think they'll try thank, to make it more social. No, yet, but, but I'm sure that'll be the next thing. And then, and then like, the it looks, will come after that. It's like shopping on Instagram. It feels like they're doing the reverse. Like Instagram's added shopping, Facebook, Medic's added, added shopping. Now they're like, oh, well, we already have shopping or purchasing. Let's add some like kind of social entertainment type of thing to this. Or just, it's like HSN or QVC, which is not for my I demographic. Could, I could see if, you know, Amazon's been trying lots of different methods. I forget the device, but there was a device that you could purchase for way too much money that every day you could take a picture of what you wore and it would it would know the items that you wear regularly, suggest items in your closet that you don't wear very often and make style recommendations on things you could add to like rehash. Amazon hasn't really cracked the the clothing. And so I, I could see this being something that helps if, if my wife was trying to figure out a pair of like what jewelry goes with a certain uh, shirt. And you could, you know, basically say, I'm looking for things. And artificial intelligence probably makes this easier with item identification now than right. other times where you'd have to have someone manually say, this is the backpack she's wearing, go find it on Amazon, make the connection. I think it's interesting and certain, but it, it kind of feels like what Pinterest and Howl's should have always been. But it's not like, if you're on like Pinterest, you're like, it's not in the place where I'd expect I'm, I'm used to going. So there's going to be a lot of, mm-hmm. of habits that have to be changed or that's encouraged right. somehow. And and let's do a definition. So Julie, you said shopping by shopping. Do you mean people wandering the aisles of Amazon? They browsing. Don't, people aren't really browsing versus mm-hmm. they've encouraged this research style purchasing thing. Like you yeah. type in X coffee cup, 
whatever, whatever. You go yeah. reviews, reviews, reviews. So you're just researching till you get okay. And then we've learned over time how to do that very quickly. I want. We're even just define, not wandering. I even wanted to find so we shopping, researching, mm -hmm. and browsing to me are three very different things. Shopping, browsing is I don't have an aim. I am like there's certain aisles of the grocery store that I walk down with no intentionality other than just hmm, sometimes I find hmm. something in here that I like. It's interesting to me, I need that but I don't know candy. what it is. And there's nothing that I could articulate as to what I'm trying to find. I'm just going that's down browsing. there because it, that, that's browsing. Researching so is, is having an intention and trying to educate yourself through exper mm -hmm. experiential education, storytelling, all sorts of content, just looking at product stuff and shopping is I need to get a pen or I've decided I'm going to buy a pen. Now, which of these okay. two pens am I going to get? And I think you've nailed it, Julie. I mean, they've all been focused on shopping a hundred percent. And in, and in specifically, uh, I think his, his last name was Cloden. Uh, Andrew, I think it was his first name. I saw him speak at a conference 10, 11 years ago, just about all the ways that Amazon tried to make the decision happen faster by increasing certainty that this is what you want. But they've yet, or another agency where they're not doing anything for demand generation as far as like, we have these great products. Amazon themselves are not doing anything to get people to buy more of something mm -hmm. out of thin air. Like we're influenced from social or like, oh, we need something. Yeah. So they're trying to get like, well, here, you just click on an example. Camping, indoor plants, and coffee making, I think was what are you interested in? That's a bizarre combo. Yeah, and I then think, it brings up all this stuff. Except my kids making. browse, yeah. you know, via Mr. Beast on YouTube. Right? Like yes. they're not there's not an expectation of this thing I know I want, or it's just it's like Saturday morning cartoons. It's like this thing shows up and mm -hmm. and that's what they're trying to make to defend against is, you know. Just like with Zillow being concerned originally about open doors movement into iBuying and saying this is an existential threat to Zillow. And we talked about that three, four years ago when Rich made that decision. I think Amazon is saying the existential threat is uh, people who already have the audience and the influence adding shopping is probably easier than Amazon adding the other. Sorry, I was going to say if Amazon could get the top X amount of influencers to do like exclusive things on this then maybe it'd work. But then it'd really be just a curated list of things. Well, and it's but not the same intent. You could do it if they just took their Amazon basics, which is not, I mean, who wants, there's some things I don't care about, but like I can't bring myself to buy Amazon basics batteries. I don't know why. I guess because I'm too no. much of a marketing brand person to, to, to do that. But if, you know, MKBHD just put his name on the batteries and it was his batteries versus Amazon basics, I think that would be a way, that'd be a win for the creator because yeah. it'd be able to have a, a product that they don't have to worry about, you know, the manufacturing and all the rest of that. It already Ever, exists yeah. on Amazon. Like, here you go. Uh, Bezos doesn't run anymore, but Jeff, there's your, there's your freebie from us this week. There you go. You're welcome. From, from fortune.com, intensified housing market corrections has home builders offering sweetheart deals to Wall Street. Ooh. Home builders have a housing downturn playbook that's proven to be effective time and time again. They start by offering incentives like mortgage rate buy-downs. If that doesn't work, then builders begin to mark down home price, prices in communities until their unsold inventory has been moved. Well, when you put it that way, it sounds rather straightforward, doesn't it? What's, it all this, what's all this work for about doing CMAs and, and, and trying to market? Just, you know, do, Just those, do that. Do those two things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, we, I don't think we talked about it last week, but it happened where Pulte, um, not Pulte, sorry, Lennar 
hit the news of they're trying to offer 5,000 homes for sale in bulk uh, to investors. Hmm. And some of the conversations, you know, I, I don't know anything about uh, the reasons behind it, but a lot of really smart people that I've been reading say, look, the interesting thing is that as a builder of Lennar size, they could do anything they want to with those 5,000 homes. They could turn them into rentals uh, to, to like sell them as rentals to other people now. They could build them out, turn them as rentals internally, hold them, and then sell them later. I mean, legitimately, they could do anything they want to. They have all the expertise. They have all the money. Uh, Lennar, I don't know why I keep saying Pulte. Lennar says that they want to sell these homes in bulk now because they want the extra cash hmm. in order to be able to take advantage of what they think the market is going to get even worse, and they'll be able to buy more land at better prices. Um, Interesting. But obviously, the, the story of 5,000 homes hitting the market uh, trying to be sold and, and not meeting with quick success wasn't something that a lot of people took with confidence <laughs> either. So does that mean we think that land prices are going to outpace home prices by a lot? Is that what we think that, I mean, that's what it sounds like that they believe. Like well, that I they think, need to get in earlier on the land prices than it being worth it to hold on to. Yeah, they, they have to work through their inventory. So we love analogies, of course. If we were a um, a carpeting store and we've got all kinds of carpet on our inventory and we believe that carpet will be cheaper in the future, then liquidating it, the carpet now at lower prices makes sense if we think it's going to go even lower. In Lennar's case, they're not necessarily saying the house value itself will be lower, but the land value in new communities will likely be even lower. And so it's just like the furthest thing up the food chain of how new home communities are developed. Uh, in theory, the earlier up the chain should get hit faster and sooner. Right. And, and if no one has the ability to buy that land, then it's just going to keep getting less and less expensive until someone wants to buy it and they want to be in a position to do that. Oh, okay. They, so they're what they want to be ready when those land prices are yeah. what that is, not yeah. Yet. Because that yep, yep. that was the main win of the financial yep. crisis was builders being able to, if they could afford it, get mm -hmm. land at fantastic prices. That up until, gosh, 2018, 17, a lot of builders were still able to offer tremendous pricing because they bought those home sites at pennies of the dollar when no gotcha. one else wanted them. Makes sense. And that's what Lenar's banking on or hedging on. Mm -hmm. Essentially, mm -hmm. yeah. Also, a really interesting. I think it was in the Builders Daily did an interview with um, some folks at Lennar, and they just said our other philosophy is just he who cuts first has to cut the least, and they would rather just continue to make sure that they have work that to be true. done than have to react. And mm -hmm. being proactive in this scenario is time and time again proving out to be a better idea than sitting around and waiting to see what happens. Yeah, the optics on. Sound like politics, politics now. The optics on 5,000 mm -hmm. homes at once on one market. That's it. Yeah, it's not one market. It's in multiple. Oh, it's not one market. States. Okay. Yeah. Multiple yeah, states. I think it's okay. all in the Southwest and Southeast primarily. Okay. There you go. That feels better. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of homes. The mm -hmm. article. Um, this is by Lance um, Lambert. I think you follow him on Twitter. I enjoy him yeah. reading what he says. Um, <laughs> more active inventory in Kansas City. There's 5,000 homes is more than what's for sale in Kansas City. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Not that Kansas City is a giant market, but it's a market. Yep. All right. Last one for today from DigiDay. Here are the 2022 global media rankings by ad spend. Google, Facebook remain dominant. 
Alibaba and ByteDance have entered the mix. Alibaba. So this is That's looking at crazy. worldwide net advertising revenues by the top five major digital ad selling companies. Google sold $168 billion worth of ads. Meta sold $112 billion. Good for them. Uh, Alibaba, which is predominantly e-commerce, $41 mm-hmm. billion. China, Amazon, yeah. $37.9 billion. And ByteDance, 29 So that, again, this is worldwide, which tells you, you know, Alibaba and ByteDance might not mean much to you, but in in the in, that's crazy though. In Asia, in particular, well, they yeah. dominate. ByteDance owns TikTok, which mm-hmm. is that's crazy. So that would be that would that could change as as far as if TikTok is not allowed in the states. Oh yeah, we never finished that part of the conversation. Well, it's all connected. It's, we talked about TikTok like five <laughs> times today, which is crazy. We're ending with TikTok having. Now I don't know. Um, ByteDance they own other um, apps besides TikTok. Yes. I think TikTok would be their, their biggest dance is one. heavily into gaming as well. Mm. So have a big influence, obviously. But I wonder what percent of that is TikTok revenue. I don't know. Not very much. And I think we did an article about a month ago about the fact that if TikTok was on its own, it wouldn't be sustainable. They're spending so much money on keeping that thing running um, that if it wasn't for other revenue sources, they wouldn't. it would be unsustainable. Like kind of like Amazon without AWS. We gotcha. wouldn't have Prime. We wouldn't have next day shipping if it wasn't for AWS making that company billions of dollars a year. Makes sense. Well, I'm not surprised that Google's at the top because I think that's the knowing other small business owners. Um, everyone does something with something with Google, mm-hmm. whether it's $50 a month or $100, they're doing something with it. They've yeah. been convinced that it works and they feel like that works. They really have been the smartest of, you know, of course, they have the intent corner of the market cornered uh, currently with search yeah. because you have to type it in. They also then have display, which helps you focus on other parts of the funnel or remarketing. They've got YouTube, uh, which has grown like crazy and now has opportunity to to reach people. So I think they're the most well-rounded of the bunch yeah. for sure. I don't think TikTok gets outright banned, but I do think I do think there's going to be some something different that's going to happen down the line. It's not not yeah. an outright ban, but I think there may be something about the algorithm itself not not being able to go wherever it wants. And this is again, this that's is Kevin's soapbox, not do you converts or uh, the marketing team here. It is it is a dopamine drip straight to your brain of the things that stimulate yes. you and make you keep scrolling and watching. And they've done it so much better, in my opinion, than every other social platform out there. And I think it's because there is no, there is no safeguard on it. Right. Like we know, right. we know that there is, there is TikTok is not allowed in China and the version of TikTok that does exist in China only shows you educational things that would make you a better citizen of the country of China. It's all about making you a better person, improving your state or making you happier with your current circumstances. Whereas TikTok here is half naked people and people falling and food, food porn, right. Mm-hmm. And, and jokes like it's a, it's just a different thing most of the time. I mean, you, and go ahead. I could see, I could see something around, um, it's similar to how, uh, Instagram was getting a lot of challenge with young girls and, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, self-harm rates skyrocketing as a result of Instagram usage among teenage girls. Right. I could see someone introducing something that just limits the ability of the algorithm to be as powerful as it is. 
we think about it, and this is where the, from what I understand, the politics behind it, why, why it could be banned is if social has that influence, the power of that influence to make you better or make you worse, mm-hmm. it could also start light, like could TikTok or any platform yeah. be like, we're going to make Americans because TikTok, Chinese, CCP, whatever, all that stuff, we're to make them all overweight. So we're going to really influence food and savory food. We're going to do things that will get people wanting more food. So that's like, okay, no, no harm or whatever. But what if it's something that we're, we're going to do this, try to influence this type of thing, which would make America or whatever country weaker in their eyes. And mm-hmm. that's where like the, the politics from what I understand is behind it. Even though like we're like, oh, it's innocent. Most people are like, oh, it's just an app. Like it's great. It's like TV yeah. now. Like you just want to scroll without thinking about things. You just go on TikTok because it's what you want, but could it have that power and influence? I think is still, is it up for debate? We've seen like the result, like you said about the self-harm with Instagram, that's the same type of thing, but could there be other outcomes, not self-harm, but like, okay, we want people to not buy houses anymore. We'll have, we'll push content on TikTok, great content, real or fake that will have that outcome. Yeah. My daughter informed me that she, she, you know, and she says it with complete certainty, my 13 year old, Hey dad, in the next two years, if we don't change how we farm, the soil will not be able to grow anything. And I was like, interesting, uh, Sydney, where did you you hear that by chance? And I know the answer. Like, well, Sally was showing me a video on her phone at school about how we're all going to die if we don't, you know, do something related to soil composition. Um, And I'm like, okay, so there might be some truth to that, that they're mixing in, but obviously time period is much longer. Yeah. But there's just that that's the stuff that unfiltered you can you can but I think the the challenge for me is and it's to like what who gets to control that information. Mm-hmm. Well that that is where um, but then, and then we'll, like, we'll let Julie no in one, and then we'll go to the question yeah. of the week and favorites because we want to wrap up but yeah. I think that's where it's going to go is that parents or whoever uh someone's going to develop a product that lets you pick kind of the guardrail on the algorithm that you want for your household or for yourself. So again, at the very least, that's the kind of limitation I'm talking about where if, if my, if my kids want to use TikTok, and I should be able to say yes, but TikTok, I want you to know that she's 13 years old and I don't want your algorithm to encourage, you know, showing her things that would make her feel worse about her own body image. Right. Yes. That stuff should exist and there should be controls around that. And it shouldn't yeah. be a complete black box of, we don't know how these things are working. Yeah. And on all platforms, there should be that. Yeah. Well, just like, yeah. you know, there, there are now, and I think there was a lawsuit, but it, it worked. Um, it worked out. If I want to watch a movie with my kids, I can use, I think it's VidAngel is what it's called. And it's called like, watch whatever the bleep you want, because it bleeps out is their tagline because it'll bleep out cursing or cut a scene due to nudity or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, what is it called? I've never vid heard of it. Angel. Yeah, vid, vid Angel. Yeah, so Vid Angel. Okay. It's not everything, but most things are on there, and you have to have a Netflix subscription and a Vid Angel. Then you stream it from your phone, and you can. There's 50 different things you can toggle on or off of what you want. So, you know, they can go watch a series, but they have to watch it through Vid Angel, and then I can. So I just think that's the kind of control that yeah. needs to be. Like designed. we have that with our kids, uh, Safe Vision, which is just like you only get channels on YouTube for them. There could be something similar, like here's all right, here's your 10 people, but you have to like, yeah. well, what YouTubers do you like? At some point you had to do this discovery yep. phase to learn which ones are the ones you want. Julie's such a calm, uh, steady person, at least on the outside. She's got us fooled. 
Um, that well, she you, takes you, her anger out in the morning by right. she's our security <laughs> in case no one knows. DYC security. Do you have a TikTok account or do you do you do you TikTok regularly? I have a love hate relationship with TikTok. I often download TikTok, will spend a week or so in TikTok, be mm. like, this is bad for my mental health. I hate TikTok. Delete TikTok. Mm-hmm. Then maybe a month later, download it for a we'll week. Talk about so it I have I have like a um and and my <laughs> my husband's very he hates TikTok. He thinks it's crazy and which um so he anyway, he's like, like why do you have it? And I was like, I need it for my for my career. I need to be in the know with these things. So anyway, I I do I feel it like at a gut level with TikTok that if you've been on it for so long, it it does it it. I don't think it's great for everybody's mental health. So if my mm-hmm. 14-year-old son was like, I want to be on TikTok, I would say no way. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now I do not have TikTok, but yes. On and now off. again, people are going to get very uh, upset that we are talking about this like this because people have such a visceral reaction to don't you dare take this from me. I love it. And sometimes when I talk to people about it, they start to create defense mechanisms around it of like, but I learned so many unique travel hacks or cooking hacks or whatever. I'm like, but as a percentage of the time that you're, it it sounds like I'm having a conversation with, you know, my, my 10 year old son or my 13 year old daughter about why they need to go to bed at a certain time. They're like, but this, and, but like, incidentally, there are these small little things that maybe you're getting some of it out of, out from, but on the whole, uh, because of that lack of control, I think it's anyway. Yeah. I think my only issue is it seems like uh, most great new original content originates on TikTok. It seems like because yeah. they get the views, they get the likes, the content creators, not just people like, Oh, look, I put a video up and I got 5,000 views, but like people who do it for a living, unless they're big. I think YouTubers are like a separate segment from the rest of content creators or influencers. YouTube, YouTube generally is longer form yes. generally, but I Much think, I do think you're, you've always said this, Andrew, looking at TikTok videos that perform well, you're not necessarily looking at the content itself. You're looking about at the packaging and the production and the editing style around it. Yes. As much as which is why I've never seen a builder do well on TikTok, or they got like one or two and then they can't figure it out because most builder content is terrible for TikTok. Trades content is really good, but it doesn't have to be, (laughs) but no one, you have to be transparent. Not that's, mm, I think Julie did a, did a talk at the builder show uh, before. I think so on that. Trades right. do really well on TikTok. Let's uh, let's go to favorites, and then we'll do the question of the week and Ooh, head out. Favorites. Um, oh, yeah. I'll go first on favorites this time. Okay. So I was tempted to do something like uh, AI related because it's it's the hot thing right now with Open uh, AI's GPT upgrade and um, Jasper AI is a great tool for for idea prompting or helping you write uh, house descriptions or community descriptions. Um, can't can be a great tool, but my favorite is actually this week, uh, either pen and paper or tablet and stylus. There are a couple different things or thoughts that I, I need to, I'm working on a in-depth, uh, email marketing, uh, kind of grand strategy for, for a top, uh, 10 builder. And it's like, I, I just need a piece of pen, uh, a piece of paper and a pen to, to flow this out. And it was, I want to use the word refreshing, 
the yeah. the amount of thought that I could work through in a couple minutes with pen and paper would have taken me easily an hour to an hour and a half if I was just staring at a computer, either researching or writing something out. And so just don't forget with all the cool things we have out there, uh, I forget who said it, but geniuses think on paper. Um, hmm. That's true. Not, Getting not saying I'm a genius because I use the paper, but that, uh, there's something about the pen and paper that does make you think better, I think. And I also did the same, yeah. by the way, with my daughter on Sunday with a, uh, a surface tablet and the stylus. So it's just the act of the, the physical act of sketching things out. Yep. I'm pen and paper for notes and lists and Same here. those kind of things. And I do, I use pen and paper, um, when we go to church on Sundays and then there's always multiple pages of other thoughts of, it's just like, because you have that pen and paper in your hand, it's like your it's brain great. wants to dump some, dump mm-hmm. some other things in there too when I should be focusing probably on church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, All right. Who's up next? Favorites. Ooh, I'll go. Perfect. Y'all kind of stole mine at the beginning of the show when we were chatting about Christmas movies. We're like on an all Christmas movie all the time thing here at the house. As soon as the boys come home from school, Ooh, that's they fun. turn on I'm... a Christmas movie. And then for the rest of the night, it's just, even if they're not sitting like actively watching it, there's just one Christmas movie after another. So, um, Elf and um, a lot of Home Alone, Santa Claus, mm, like just all of them, um, just play constantly. And I love it. Yeah, I'm I'll, here I'm for gonna it. Add another mm. one real quick, then, which again, my wife hates it when I do this stuff Christmas pajamas. So at the Oakley household, in years past, as I think many households do, you have that anticlimactic event as a kid where you open up something on Christmas Eve and it's pajamas for the Christmas Eve picture in front of yeah, the tree. You're like, oh, thanks. And kind of like with the early decorating, getting the tree up before Thanksgiving with no ornaments conversation we've had before, my wife had this genius idea of let's just give everyone straight up their Christmas pajamas so we can wear them during the entire month of December. Or I think we got them two days ago. Mm -hmm. So now every every night by like nine o'clock, everyone in the house is wearing matching pajamas. That's amazing. I like it. Yeah. But they're getting getting more use than they typically would. Yeah, that's a good idea. Andrew. Yeah, let's see. New shows. We finished Wednesday on Netflix. Have y'all watched that? Mm, we enjoyed it. No, I keep seeing the dance on Instagram, but the I dance, haven't actually watched the, or the dance on TikTok. The show. Yeah, it is quirky. You're like, oh, this is normal. And they're like, what? Why did the, they the just The name add of the show is Wednesday. Wednesday Adams. So Wednesday Adam's from family. the Adams family. Yeah. yeah, I think it's like number one on Netflix. So if you're like, what is he talking about? Or maybe it's, oh, they're tricking us. It's number one on my Netflix they're lying to everyone. <laughs> Top Netflix shows. And then food. There's a, I'm, I'm yeah, food. Uh, there's a smash burger that we never used to go to. It's like two seconds down the road. There's not that many of them, but that's been like twice a week staple in our house for some reason. Their tater tots have the right crunch and crispiness and they're just, they're ridiculous. They're good. I don't so, know if we have it. smash burger here. If they didn't have the tater tots, it would not be, not be worth yeah, it. Yeah. They just they went out of business tots. here. Hot chicken takeover took their spot. But, yeah, it's um, a weird the the crew that goes in there. Strange locations for Smash Burgers, I found. Yes, like, it's a strange location. A they definitely. Um, yeah, this one's next to Panera, so you think it'd be the Panera is always busy. Their staff reminds me of down south. We have Winn Dixie and Publix. Publix employees, it's like Chick Fil A. Like you're like, oh, every person that works at Publix is great. Winn Dixie gets the the people who didn't get a job at Publix. 
Smash Burger definitely has like the leftover. That sounds so mean. But you go on there like, wow, it smells like something else. Oh, not burgers. Did, what are um, you guys doing back just, there? Just complaining about that stuff. Did I already tell you that I went to Taco Bell last week? I think I did. Ooh. It took 45 minutes to get tacos from Taco Bell. You could have gone to the store, got ground beef, got the seasoning, <laughs> got the cheese. When is this whole world going to reset back to the way it was before the pandemic? I just, I just crazy. need to know. So Wednesday and Taco Bell. burgers. So watch Wednesday tonight or over Christmas time. Have it on. There you go. All right. Uh, this week's question of the week, which we're shifting from the Facebook page into all access. There are now 199 people in all access with more coming in every day. That is our nice. private uh, network where we share additional content that you won't find anywhere else. Or sometimes we just share things a couple of days before we make it public. So this week for a prize, uh, one prize just for everyone who enters or makes a prediction. And then another prize for people who end up getting a right prediction over the course of the year Ooh. is what are your predictions for 2023, specifically uh, real estate related. But if there's also something that you can't directly influence that you want to make a prediction about, no like celebrity death things or like nothing that sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's just let's just stay with real estate. How about that? Real estate, real estate new construction world, mortgage uh, rates, etc. Make a prediction for what you think 2023 has in store. That's a fun one. I'll say the more I want to see some outrageous ones. I don't want to yes. see all super conserved, conservative. Some, yeah. Yeah. By the way, next week we will revisit. There. there was a question of the week. Early last year, that was where do you think mortgage rates will be at the end of the year? Oh, gosh. So I need to go back and lock that so people can't change their answer. But I think a lot of people are going to be wrong <laughs> on that one. All right. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to become a member for free of DYC's All Access Community app for home builders and developers. Watch behind the scenes videos from the podcast, frequent exclusive postings and analysis from the team, access to private hangouts, and more. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Market Proof Marketing. Can't wait for the next one or looking to connect with other new home marketers? Become a member of our private community, DYC All Access, which is 100% free and always will be. Get exclusive content not shared anywhere else, access to private events, and the ability to join a marketing impact group with other marketers like you around the country. Visit our link in the show notes or members.doyouconvert.com to join. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peak, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.